37th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to episode 198 of Pixelated Paranormal. And we hope you packed a snack because uh, we're going places on this episode. This is going to be a fun one. Oh, yeah. And we've got the band back together. With me, as always, of course, is Preston. What's up, all you cool ghosts and goblins? And we blew the dust out the back seat, and Steven is back with us. Hey, yo, what the fuck is up, mate? (laughs) (laughs) He just got back from studying abroad. Indeed. Yes. Australian Peruvian. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) That's uh, just, what it was. Just yeah. chilling, doing doing the damn thing, working a lot, and uh, yeah, yeah, just trying to get by day to day, taking it a day at a time. There you go, dude. Well, we're glad you're back. You got back just in time. Uh, tonight's episode is basically uh, six months in the making. Why six months in the making? You might ask. Well, it's because our good friend and listener Mindy sent this story over to Stephen and I about Finn's treasure. And then we sat on it and kind of forgot to do it. Six months in the making. Now we're but it's okay it. because, yeah, and there's been Man, some... Better late. Exactly. And we've got some updates in the story, so I like to say that we timed it just right. And uh, even the news stories are tied into treasure hunting, which is super, super exciting. Um, now, we are recording this on the 5th of July, which means there are still fire poppers a-popping, so you might hear that in the background. Uh, you might hear my little... Dog Luna snoring in the background. Um, God knows what else. So you know what? Just roll with it. It's live. It's raw. It's gritty. It's what you love. It's not your grandma's podcast. We'll do it live. (laughs) So out the gate, I want to ask you boys, what are your favorite treasure hunting movies? Goonies, dude. Done. Don't need to talk anything about anything else. (laughs) <laughs> right i knew i knew it'd come up it's classic uh it's obviously gonna be in the top three maybe the top number one okay preston what is your favorite treasure hunting movie um you know uh indiana jones <gasps> and the last crusade <laughs> or indiana jones and uh the uh the lost ark okay Hell yeah. I like Temple of Doom because uh, it was really scary and the guy's heart gets ripped out. Kanima! That was pretty nice. Bolorum. Bolorum. Uh Okay, so you guys picked the two I knew you'd pick. <laughs> For real. So I'm going to say The Rundown with The Rock and Sean <laughs> William Scott, also starring Christopher Walken. <laughs> right. I was like, what's, really what's the third best movie? What are some other treasure hunting yeah. movies, though? Fool's Gold with Matthew McConaughey and uh, what's her name? True. Uh, yeah. I like that movie. Oh, right, oh, right. What about um, Treasure Planet? That cartoon? Never never watched the whole thing, but Pretty I know tight. it's adored by many. Yeah, it's very underrated. Most, mm-hmm. hell, we're on to something. Most treasure movies are underrated. Well, fuck it. National Treasure. National Treasure. Nick with Nick <laughs> the first one was so tight. I was like, come on. Someone's going to get it, right? I'm not going to say it. There you go. <laughs> yeah, National Good Treasure shit. is by far one of the best as well. Man, that's back I in bet you all the Nick listeners Cage out was... there were like, oh, National Treasure, National Treasure. He's like screaming you it. fucking nerds. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. No kidding. Screw it. Let's just put this off one more episode and just talk about great treasure hunting movies. Right. Just yeah. kidding. Romance in the yeah, Stone. I think... Done. Jewel the Nile. Done. 
Oh, the movies dang, are great. The movies go. are so good. Would you classify The Mummy as a treasure hunting movie because they're in Egypt looking for treasure? I mean, technically, yes. Oh, cool, there you go. Lots of treasure hunting movies. What is it about hunting treasure that just brings out, you know, the Boy Scout and Girl Scout and all of us? Like, what is it about that that just makes everyone go, hmm, and daydream just a little bit about hunting some treasure? Have you guys ever found real treasure in, like, in real life? Like, like came across something buried in the ground that you didn't know was there prior to your knowledge? Yeah, uh, the house I lived in in El Dorado... When we moved our house from Latham, which is like an hour outside of El Dorado, basically they cut our house in half and they moved both halves to El Dorado. Not before, they dug a basement for us and set up, you know, a foundation and all that kind of stuff. Any hoozle, we're assuming that the property we bought was a dump or a landfill years prior because it was really, really common for us to go in the backyard to dig a hole to plant a tree or something <laughs> and find like little porcelain dolls or... Nice. You know, green or blue glass, broken glass, garbage, all sorts of stuff. So this kind of ties into, well, first first off, my dad listens to the show when I'm, when I'm a guest on. A guest on. When I, a guest. <laughs> nice, I'm a guest. Nice, yes. Uh, Special we, guest, Steve yeah. Rome. <laughs> yeah, so whenever I get on here, he listens and whatnot. So when I do that, uh, this is going to be a funny story. So back uh, in the day when I lived on in Pratt, Pratt County, Sawyer County, you know, mm-hmm. down in that area of Kansas, we lived out in the farm and about uh, probably a little bit half a mile, maybe even a mile away, there was a dump pit and it had been there since I would imagine 20s, 30s. And, mm-hmm. you know, we'd come, my dad would make this like uh, chicken coop wire, like chicken wire, and then like yeah, uh-huh. fine thread it so we could like sift through it. So we would take like a, sh- like a, like a spade shovel, hand shovel down there. Scoop mm-hmm. it up, toss it on there, and just sift through it. Like, I'm talking like dump pit, guys. Like broken bottles, y- yeah, rusty yeah, yeah, nails, yeah, right. lean to shed, <laughs> rusted tin. Like, <laughs> like, thinking back on that, oh my god, this is like. But my tennis shot was cool, so it's all good. Um, but, <laughs> it's the one thing we did as a yeah. family every year: got yeah. our tennis shot. Yeah, and then went and sifted the dump. Uh, so we find stuff in there all the time, money all the time. Uh, arrowheads was a was a, the main thing we'd look for. Mm-hmm. We'd find them. We'd find um, necklaces, jewelry, all kinds of cool stuff. And then of course, um, my dad was really big into metal detecting when we lived in California, and it carried over to when we moved to Kansas. And mm-hmm. he was featured in Eastern and Western Treasure magazine a couple times. Uh, right, you told us about yeah, that. Find, I think, yeah, that's rad. Stuff is so cool, and like, so yeah, finding treasure is like really awesome, especially the metal detecting because you never know what you're gonna find, and just the yeah. thought of finding something and returning it to an owner that may or may not be alive anymore, like, is really cool. And by owner, you mean pawn shop to get paid? <laughs> no, no, I could never do that. <laughs> Preston, would how your your land that you now own? How long has that land been in your family now? Um, See, forty years. Dude, you got to get a metal detector, bro, and like go around mm-hmm. the area where the house. That would be so yeah. cool. You never know what you're gonna find. That'd be so awesome. We we should do that. Yeah, I I think uh, I think uh, the house is uh, built on a uh, Native American burial ground because there's been like some weird unexplained shit that happens. Here we go. Uh, a lot he lives like, in the country. Like now. all these ducks. <laughs> Who ordered all these ducks? 
Yeah. He lives in the country now, yeah. of course. He lives on and, an Indian uh, burial ground. <laughs> big Duck Daddy and the Burial Ground Caper. Oh yeah. And uh, so I was going to I was going to bring up a story that uh, so my brother's first ex-wife her family, her great-great-grandfather had robbed a train and you know during the late 1800s and he was, you know, had like the, you know, wanted dead or alive, like rubber bonds, bills and everything. He loved Bon Jovi. And he, so he, I can't remember like then maybe it was like $200,000 worth of gold. So in today's time, it'd be like worth several million. And he buried it up in the mountains in Colorado. And so on their honeymoon, the family would take a vacation once a year <laughs> And they still had like parts of the treasure map that the guy like <laughs> drew out and like hid clues and they would go and try to find it because nobody has ever found it yet. And sadly, you know, my brother's not outdoorsy and so he never found Dick. That's crazy. But, uh, what a cool story. Yeah. That, I bet you yeah. if that treasure chest had records in it, he'd fucking quit his job <laughs> and look for it full time. <laughs> yeah. And dress shoes. In dress shoes. There's a fucking there's a fucking one of a kind Miles Davis in here. They've only pressed two <laughs> records and it's worth millions of dollars. Come on, guys, let's go to Colorado right now. Let's go do it. <laughs> that impression is so offensive to you, bro. Oh, Jason. <laughs> Jason, I still love you. Whether Preston does or not is another story. Um, yeah, here's a fun treasure oh, hunting what? story. Uh, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law went out to an estate sale. A few years back and Josh does metal detecting and all that kind of stuff as well. He's very savvy with coins and everything. And they came across like a little tin box and it said like 10 bucks or five bucks or Dibic something box. on it. Yes. A little Dybbuk box, right. <laughs> it's full of human teeth and hair samples. Um, so he, he went I've up and you know he bought though. the little tin. <laughs> he bought the little <laughs> tin because he, <laughs> he opened up the tin and inside of it was a human jawbone. Dude, I'd have been like, Nope. <laughs> Wait, it was a Dybbuk box. <laughs> he found a little tin box. Inside of it was a jawbone from a human jaw, and it still had a few teeth in it. Uh, and a couple of teeth, I think at least one or two, uh, had gold caps on them. So he walked up, he bought the gold, or the little tin from the lady who was selling it, and then he immediately went home, smashed the jawbone with a hammer, and then dumped out the little tooth powder and then took the gold cap and sold it. I forget for how much, you know, probably 40, 50 bucks, something like that. But I mean, talk about turning a profit, right? So <laughs> turn, turn 10 bucks into 50 with a smash of a hammer. That's very common. So what we do at the crematory is when someone is cremated, their cremains come out. Um, obviously the bones, you know, to a way that like, the the vision you want to have is that there's just going to be like a pile of dust. Oh, there it is. You know, like mm -hmm. and you put, you put into a jar. No, it comes out as like, um, almost looks like petrified wood, like driftwood. And oh, then wow. they're really hot. Then you have to cool it down in, in the cooler. And then you put it into this thing called the processor. Well, during that time you have to get all the metal. There's so much metal in our bodies. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. We've had surgeries or operations and stuff. It's insane. Alien abduction. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> just, just wait till I find something crazy like that. Um, I, <laughs> like, I'm looking, I'm looking. Uh, but gold, <laughs> silver plates, like, it's a real thing. Yeah. And we have to 
take that out separately and put it into a separate container. And then there's oh, wow. like a, it's like a, it's like a, I think it's like a charity type thing or something. I don't, don't quote me on it, but I've, I've cause I, yeah. I don't really run in the crematory too much, but I'm pretty sure that it's like a, that stuff when it's, it goes into like a fund, um, unless the family's asked for it or something. And that, that's oh, like wow. a charity fund to help fund, uh, cremations that people can't afford. Or, people can't afford. Or yeah. Jane John Doe's, you know, that type of thing. Huh. So I, I think that's what I, that's what I've read, but I don't know that for sure. But I mean, as yeah. always, anything out of a, out of your loved one, you can always request anything. And there's been some right. crazy requests. You want this, that burned with your loved one? Totally can happen. So, oh yeah, I've heard of animal remains. Yeah. You know, we, they requested that you mm-hmm. know we dig up and exhume the body of you know Fido and yep. cremate him with it. Yeah. Or if like a cat or a dog had died and they put it into a freezer for several several years until that person oh. dies, that has happened. So like, okay, uh, and then if yeah, and then if you want fillings of gold or silver so that could sure. be a possibility of mm-hmm. where that happened but i don't i don't know how else you would have got that damn job man that's weird yeah interesting i, I don't know either I, I i wouldn't have sold it i would have kept that jawbone like that with that in there i would have i would have put that in the frame hmm. like the warns yeah because again that's how you, <laughs> like the warns do not under any circumstance open or break the glass like i don't know what i would that's, do I don't know what I would do if I would have went to a yard sale and found something like that with that in there. I would not have sold that. I, that would have been one of my prized finds. Yeah, because like, again, like... I think back to when your wife's parents were having the garage sale and they went over there and they were like looking through <laughs> shit and she like pulled this, oh, I can't sell this. And I was like, what is that? And she like pulls that and it's like all of her daughter's teeth. Baby teeth. I'm like, what the fuck? It's all the Shayla and Ashley's baby it teeth. It was, there were right. so many of them. And I was like, this is crazy. And I, the look on your face was like, it was quick, but you're almost like initially kind of freaked out and disgusted. Like, oh, yeah. And then it set in. You're like, oh, of course it makes sense. But like, it's just weird. Yeah. It's just weird. Cause I, you yeah. know, I, I never experienced anything like that when I was a kid, like mm-hmm. I had to get the teeth and there was like, I don't know. They, they just threw it on the ground. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Don't remember anything <laughs> about that. But, uh, yeah. Well, that's funny. That kind of segues into what I was going to say next is you yourself, Steve, are a modern day, um, what would you call that, um, like urban treasure hunter? Because you and your dad, you guys go garage sailing all the time, especially your dad, man. Like your dad's got a knack for all that mid-century stuff. Yeah. And that is very much treasure hunting in itself. Yeah, the the it's dried up a little bit. It's not the sales aren't <laughs> yeah. happening. It's just that. I've noticed that when I started up this season, the game changed. Everybody and everybody's out there. I've never just gone mm-hmm. went to a garage sale and people like elbowing you out of the way. I was like, this is gross. Yeah. I'm not going here no more. Gotta get them deals. Gotta get them deals. This year. I'm waiting until all this like collecting uh, fad goes out. You know what I'm saying? But I do see what you're saying with treasure. Yeah. Garage sales made yeah. a perfect example. Um, it's, it's really funny that, uh, we talked about garage sales. I didn't mean to bring this up, but I meant to actually mention this a few episodes ago. Uh, on Twitter, we got tagged in a tweet and it's by a guy named sand underscore veil. And he says, also, when I was leaving a garage sale, some random older dude in a car called out to me telling me there was PS3 and PS4 games at another house. He said, I look like a game collector. Then he gave me his nephew's podcast. (laughs) 
<laughs> anyway, is it that noticeable? Anyways, the podcast is pixelated paranormal. <laughs> I'm almost positive no. that's probably my dad, not my uncle. It could have been. That would be could, hilarious. Could have been Billy. My uncle, I don't know. I don't know if it's Uncle Billy because I, Uncle Billy's never listened to this show unless he listens to it with my dad because my dad listens to YouTube all the time. So maybe he's yeah. went over there and listened to that at that point. But either could way, have been. it's hilarious. That is so funny. I could totally see hey, Billy so- not giving a shit about the podcast, but loving the idea that you have a podcast to be like, also, my nephew has a podcast. That's true. Now, tell me how you're going to discount these chickens down. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so does your dad only listen to the show on YouTube? Yes, like he doesn't use an actual like, podcast on YouTube. Okay. The only way. That's awesome. Because I uh, I just uploaded, um, uh, you know, I'm yeah. doing the backlog and everything. I'm sorry to derail the conversation. But uh, so I uploaded episode 21, which Sean and I talked about being molested uh-huh. by a ghost. And within like 20 minutes of uploading that video, like somebody disliked it. And um, listen, hilarious if it, Richard DeRoe, ghost molestations no, happen. Dude, okay, it's a the, thing. That's great. Dude, that's so fucking great. We could have one guy that like, that. I think that's awesome to have a viewer that, or listener that upvotes or downvotes depending on the topic. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we get <laughs> a lot of funny. nice... Yeah, we get a lot of nice comments on there about, uh, you know, the show. Yeah. And then you're going to have, I mean, this is a thing. And this is what I told some other podcasts I was talking to who were really down about not having very many ratings on iTunes. I said, you know, the thing is, the more listeners you get, the more potential you have for ratings. But the thing you also got to understand is that the more listeners you have, the greater chance you have of getting some, you know, Four stars, three stars, two stars, one stars. Because mm-hmm. we're not the, you know, the flavor of tea for everybody. And that's totally fine. I get that. Like, um, I would love for us to have 1,027 reviews on iTunes. We only have 27. That's totally fine. You know, whatever. One of those is a one-star review. I don't know who left it. They did not leave a review. I'm sorry, it's a one-star rating. They did not leave a review. And that's fine. I mean, it's yeah. somebody who maybe doesn't like Mine's us limit. personally. I don't know. Uh, 13 Nightmares got a one-star rating as well at the same time, so maybe it's somebody who doesn't like us. Maybe it is think everything we do is dog shit, and that's fine. We don't do it for the glory, folks. We do it to spread the truth! Show. But anyway. Well... I mean, sometimes you need to know a ghost is going to touch your pecker, and that's what we're here for. In that, you know, I don't know, maybe... This is episode 198. Maybe what the people want is for Late Nights <laughs> Volume 4 to be like episode 201. 201, want, 202. <laughs> it's been a while. I want my... I it's want, been a while. Uh, an un... I want my Bigfoot porn, Bigfoot porn, Bigfoot porn. I, I want, want like Bigfoot a... Porn. <laughs> yeah, no. Stephen wants to read... Steve is itching to read no, Bigfoot Smut no. again. Oh, he, God, he, no. He, no. It's been a he while. Is not, I that the other day. I was he's, like, yeah, you know that deep down he's <laughs> fucking more moist than an oyster no, what wanting I, to read that lawn gnome porn. What I, God, what I really want to do is I yeah. want to be able to have my dad sit down and do a, a discussion with you two. And I just listen. I don't say anything. You guys just have a discussion. And then, like, have the discussion about, not about politics, but how it has to be kind of about politics. Because he started going into some, like... um 
stuff about the, the Masons and like, and I was like, wait, what? I was like, hold on. Don't say no more. I was like, we gotta, have, we gotta have a conversation, and Preston's gotta be involved. You in shoved this. a dinner roll in your dad's yeah. mouth and just went, yeah. Shh, shh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, like the Freemasons, and like he just was like going on and on about it. So I was like, we gotta get some kind of something with that, but it has to come through with like a respectful thing, you know? Yeah, I would if, never disrespect your dad if he would ever um, in, do in, it to his but, face or on the show in hindsight either. Yeah. yeah. So I would I would hope that he would be down to do a, have a discussion an open discussion about that, you know, because he is very vindicated of, of on his beliefs and what he what he what he wants to believe sure. and stuff like that. So uh, I just want other people to hear some of some of it and and I don't know I, I don't know I think it'd be fun. So I think it'd be fun too to have an open conversation. Tell your dad up front, look, like they're not going to rag on you and they're not going to be dicks. They just want to talk to you and just have a chat yeah. and see. Where it goes, yeah. Um, and real quick, speaking of that, guys, gals, ghouls, everybody, if you happen to talk to your folks and they have ghost stories or paranormal stories, please send them in. Uh, episode 200, we're shooting for another listener story episode, so we'd love to hear about it. Uh, if you guys have any stories of you, yourself, or your folks, send those in, please. Send All them you got to do coming. is pull out your government tracking device, your phone, pull, <laughs> pull it out, hit your sound record app androids have it apples yeah. have it uh let's be honest you don't yeah. have anything other than e- either one of them so pull out the mm-hmm. app just hit the record button i mean or if you're out garage sailing <laughs> you know maybe you'll find a talk boy and use yeah. the talk boy <laughs> the talk boy yeah if you're a treasure hunter kids like google that. talk boy but yeah. yeah like for real like just open it and up I might... hit record and ask them the question see what they say yeah man it could be no, I don't have anything, but it could be yeah. something. And then you got fresh audio right there. Send it to us. We can give them. Yeah. We can give them the anonymous thing if they don't want another. Yeah, name for sure. Known. I'm, I'm thinking I'm gonna let my daughter um, come down and re- record like one of her five minute rants on conspiracies. Cause <laughs> I she's would been, like that. She's been looking up a lot of conspiracies lately. So I'm be like, you know what, honey, why don't you just go ahead and I'm gonna hit record and you talk into the mic and why don't you school. Sean and Steve on your conspiracy Dude, theories. you know what I would love? I would absolutely love. Let her pick one. Let her do that. And then after she does it, why don't we do a dive into that conspiracy theory? She can yeah, open the right episode on. with her rant, and then we can just do as much research as we can, you know, <laughs> no matter where we go. <laughs> Whip it. High we quality shit here picks like paranormal. Yeah, guys, that's, awesome. that's it. We've we've recorded almost 200 episodes, and now we're letting children dictate the topic. We're scraping yeah, the barrel the here. No, dude, that's cool. Good that's for awesome. her, man. Um, I don't know where she sits in the library at school. I knew I was the weird kid who always sat kind of off on the side, reading more scary to tell in the dark. Uh, reading, you know, the Time Life magazine, UFO phenomenon books, all that kind of stuff, dude. So yeah, she uh, she's got a little special place in my heart, you know, loving that kind of stuff and being into uh, conspiracy theories. So for sure, she's into that, and then it well, sends into horror. That's the there you horrors. go. Let's go. Yeah, and you served <laughs> up a really great segue. Speaking of children, speaking of treasure, boys, when you were younger, did you have rock collections? Children are a treasure. Oh. We learned that children is the greatest treasure. (laughs) When you were kids, did you have rock collections? Yeah. Dude. No. Synchronicity, that's crazy. I had a fossil collection, but not a rock collection. Oh, okay. So when you're 
when when you're uh, when you're driving to Augusta and uh, right before you get to the you know the Walnut River, the uh, hey, do everybody sides... a favor and tell us what direction are we driving? So you're you're <laughs> okay, heading east you. into Augusta. Like... So you're 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 heading <laughs> okay, east. Perfect. And right before you get to the Walnut River, there's like a cliff on each side of the highway, and there's a bunch of like open faced mm-hmm. rocks right there. And when I was a kid, um, I mean, you know, statute of limitations have probably passed, and plus dad's dead, so it's not like they Oh my God. Yikes. He What's would, going on? Yikes. What's going on? He would, he would go and he would pull his, our little Datsun shitty yellow pickup off the side of the road right next mm-hmm. to the rock cliff. And he would start hammering away at the rocks and loading him in the back <laughs> of the pickup truck, so we could uh, decorate the a rock garden with like yeah. the big rocks. And in the pro- process of doing that, um, that used to be millions of years ago, like a like a, a, a re- like a shelf of a coastal mm-hmm. reef. And so, if it, certain rocks that you crack open, you'd have like you know uh, squids, mm-hmm. shrimp, cephalopods, and you know different prehistoric creatures and so i had a fossil collection not a rock collection well fuck me preston put a push up your fisher price glasses you nerd dude that's tight what a good story you have so many good stories with your dad that's crazy right like like, who goes fossil hunting with their dad like what the fuck i don't know the children of the guy who killed bigfoot maybe Yeah. (laughs) yeah that's so cool well, that's cool. You just hold on to your cephalopods. Steve and I probably just sat there and drilled over boxes of pyrite. Folks, if you don't well, know what I'd pyrite is... Man, sesh. Let's go. Fuck me. I just had gravel. You had the, I had okay. a bag of gravel. I put googly eyes on it. it no, for real. Friend. Today, today uh, <laughs> I... Fucking amateur. Was with, I was with uh, this girl I'm talking to and we're dating. Uh, her son has a rock collection that at his grandmother's house. Mm-hmm. Her great grandmother's house, and he had like a tumbler and everything. So like, he's building up oh, his own. Cool. Yeah, isn't that cool? That's like so tight. That is rad, dude. I totally forgot about tumblers being a thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I said pyrite earlier. Another word for pyrite, boys and girls, is fool's gold. Either of you boys have any fool's gold? I do. I have a pretty, okay, pretty so, cool chunk of it. Yeah, so fool's gold basically is a giant chunk of what looks like a gold nugget, although it's not gold, it's just what's known as pyrite, or what they call fool's gold. Well, boys and girls, hold on to your pyrite. Don't dump and throw away those pesky rock collections. Don't sell them in garage sales, because it turns out that fool's gold may not actually be so useless after all, because news research... (laughs) News research... New research finds that the mineral, also known as pyrite, sometimes contains minuscule amounts of actual legitimate gold. This is from LiveScience.com. Alas, the gold hidden inside the shiny yellow mineral isn't enough to make you a millionaire, but it could be enough to extract by industrial mining companies in a relatively environmentally friendly way. The discovery rate of new gold deposits is in a decline worldwide, with the quality of ore degrading parallel to the value of precious metal increasing, says a study leader, Dennis Fergoise, whose name I just butchered, an economic geologist at the Curtin University in Australia. Fool's gold or pyrite is a mineral containing iron sulfate made of iron and sulfur. It gets its name because it has fooled many miners over the years. Perhaps the biggest sucker taken by pyrite was Sir Martin Frobisher, an English privateer and explorer who brought back, oh, poor guy, 
1,350 <laughs> tons, 1. 1.1 million kilograms of what he thought was gold. <laughs> oh, no. To Queen Elizabeth. We're rich, boys. We're rich. Uh, what do you think happened to that guy after that happened? You think he was well, executed? let's see if it happens to say it in the story. I don't know. Because he thought it was gold ore, and he took it to Queen Elizabeth in 1578, according to the story in the Canadian Encyclopedia. Unfortunately for Sir Frobisher, the ore actually contained pyrite and a handful of other sparkly minerals and no gold. Pyrite and gold form in a similar condition, so pyrite can in indicate that real gold is near. Oh, that's kind of cool, like you're playing Minecraft. Uh, pyrite crystals sometimes contain the occasional nanoparticle of real gold that gets caught up in the crystallization process according to previous research. The more deformed the crystal is, the more gold is locked inside of the defects. So that could be a solution to our lack of gold deposits, boys. Wow. So. I found out what happened that. in the dude's career. Uh-oh, what happened? I fucking tanked it, man. <laughs> I mean, come on. You're wasting that much effort <laughs> oh, on 13 tons, dude. I mean, 1,300 tons. Like, you're done. 1,300 you're, tons. You're done. So it's, uh, this is what it says on that wick, on that. Uh, the Canadian Encyclopedia.ca. <laughs> Look at you and your quick research. Mr. Sir Martin Frobisher says, following the epic collapse of his reputation as an explorer. <laughs> <laughs> that's so no, good. That's so sad. <laughs> epic collapse. <laughs> uh, had a turn. Epic fail. The first epic The fail. first recorded sad trombone in yeah. history. <laughs> had to turn to new avenues of employment in 19, or in 19, in whoa, 1578. Whoa. Took part of a campaign, oh, no. quell rebellion, blah blah blah. He sailed and he died on the sea. He's basically a fucking loser. <laughs> you are one no. pathetic loser. No, like he literally that was his third, like third expedition. Because every expedition he went on, he like boasted he was gonna do all this shit and he never did. He just kept giving him chances. Well, three strikes, you're done. You're done. Oh my son. god, he's he's standing on top of a giant pile of gold on a barge, sailing back to the queen. <laughs> And he's just like, this will show him. I'm not such a fool now, am I? Queen Elizabeth, my ass. And they're just like, get out. <laughs> Leave. And take that 1,300 he's, tons of pyrite with you. That's funny. He's like every fin hunter that never found the treasure that kept going yeah. back out, telling themselves, this time I'm going to get it. I, I got it. I'm going to do it this time. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, the other two news stories we have, we're going to drop at the end of the episode because one of them is a bit spoilery for our main story. But before we go any further, Mindy, thanks a lot for suggesting this. Sorry it took six months to get to it. All right, everybody, we're going to get into the Finn treasure, Ooh. a.k.a. the Willy Wonka of treasure hunting. Now, before we can talk about the Finn treasure, first we have to talk about the man behind the mystery, Mr. Forrest Finn himself. Now, Mr. Finn was a bit of a romantic when it came to the great outdoors wow. and the Old wow. West. Oh, wait. wait. <laughs> Oftentimes, he would go on to say, You can still see the deep ruts carved by thousands of wagon wheels over the years and time gone by the wayside. You could probably also hear the jingle of the horse's tracks, whoops of the drivers, and creaks of the wagon timber when the wind is blowing in the right direction. So Forrest Burke Finn was born August 22nd, 1930 in Temple, Texas. And I can say that, and it's not offensive, because I was born in Lubbock, Texas. Boom. 
He was born to Lily Simpson and William Marvin Finn, and he was the middle child of an older brother named Skippy and a younger sister named June. Now, growing up back then, the life of a child was spent outdoors in nature, not stuck behind your Nintendo Switches and your Tommy handhelds. Your Nintendos. <laughs> Nintendo tapes. He'd go f- right, right. He'd go fishing, hiking, exploring mountains and rivers, reading about cowboys and Indians, and when his family got the chance, they'd all pile into their 1936 Chevy to make the drive from Temple, Texas to Yellowstone National Park. That was the popular vacation destination for that family, a trip that would surely kill me because it took 45 hours or more to travel the 1,600 miles from Temple to Yellowstone, because back then they could only drive 35 grueling miles an hour. That's so Yeesh. crazy. Ugh. Could you imagine it's... somebody trying to make that drive now? Can you imagine Rob making that drive? <laughs> with left. us in the back? Uh, Slow left. But, yeah, like, that's just nuts. And in fact... You with your Stephen Hawking neck and just yeah. crinkled Ooh. up to the side. <laughs> that's what would kill me, is being freaking paralyzed by my neck breaking from being asleep for 45 hours. <laughs> As a teen, Finn attended the high school at Temple High, where he met his high school sweetheart and future wife, Peggy Jean Proctor. After high school, at 19 years old, Forrest Finn briefly attended Texas A&M University for about four days. Because on day number five, the university registrar caught on to the fact that he actually hadn't officially enrolled in classes, and they kicked his ass out. He was squatting. Oh, I'm going to go to school, too. (laughs) (laughs) So after that, Forrest enlisted in the United States Air Force and was sent to tech school in Biloxi, Mississippi, to study radar mechanics and later was accepted into pilot training school. Together, Forrest and Peggy dated several years during the time they were going to school. And when they were married in December of 1953, after he finished pilot training for both aircraft and helicopters, Peggy finished her degree. Then came the Vietnam War. Vietnam War broke out. Forrest was quick to find his way into the fray, flying an F-100D Super Sabre jet. He flew 328 combat missions against targets of opportunity, including the Ho Chi Minh Trail at Chapone, Laos. And also, we need to mention here, 328 combat missions, that's a lot. It's a lot for any pilot. That's insane. But Ulf, but uh, yeah, it has to be noted here though. Finn flew 328 combat missions in the span of just 365 days. Damn, this guy's got big ass nuts. Dude, he was an all in all big nutted action man and a total badass. Now, during his missions, he was shot down twice, including his second to last mission where he ejected from his plane and then had to survive by himself overnight in the jungle of Vietnam. What the fuck is this guy, Rambo? He landed probably right next to Big John Wiener, and they just kind of, you know, gave each other a nod and walked off separately. They're like the fucking Expendables, them two. (laughs) (laughs) I want to see a movie about Big John Wiener and Forrest Finn. Yeah, no shit. (laughs) The the ultimate, wait, they need to recreate the scene in uh, Commando with the... the, Son of, or, the muscular handshake. Yeah, the shake. muscular handshake, yeah. Oh, God, oh, man. Son of a, a bitch. 
Uh, during his mission, he was shot down twice, including his second-to-last mission when he ejected from his plane and then had to survive overnight in the jungle before successfully being extracted by an air rescue service jolly green giant helicopter named Candy Ann. Forrest Finn would be the 1,500th airman rescued during the Vietnam War. That's, oh my God. It's crazy, right? Yeah, what a phenomenal While in the Air Force, Finn would reach a rank of major, and after his acts of bravery during services, especially in Vietnam, he'd be awarded a silver star, three distinguished flyer, uh, flying crosses, a bronze star, 16 air medals, a purple heart, and unofficially, the Vietnamese cross of gallantry for his services in Vietnam. And let me also state that this dude is way more successful than the other loser we were talking about earlier in that news story. Oh my god! <laughs> the fool's gold. Wait, is that why they call it fool's gold? Because that dunce? <laughs> probably. Who knows? Yeah. But this guy, probably. listen to this guy's achievements. This guy's done yeah, so much shit. shit. Look, man, sometimes you just got dumb luck. One guy took a left, you took a right. Yeah. Maybe you should have went left too. This <laughs> It's awesome. After spending two decades in the U.S. Air Force, he eventually retired from the service, and he moved down to Santa Fe, New Mexico, with his wife Peggy and his two daughters, Zoe and Kelly. Now, as a kid, Finn had a fascination with collecting stuff, like marbles and bottle caps and stuff like that. But now, as an adult, he became fascinated with the idea of collecting sculptures and painting, paintings, and soon he began to get a taste for the business of art dealing and collecting and selling fine antiques. Now, he didn't know much out the gate, but along with his partner Rex Aerosmith, they opened up the Aerosmith Finn Gallery, where Finn would go on to immerse himself in art dealing, art trading, and the community involved, and he started collecting and trading rare artifacts and antiques, yep. like gold and coins and jewels and masks and ritual artifacts and bronze sculptures and paintings and so on, a.k.a. treasure. Please tell me that they teamed up with Aerosmith and did a show. <laughs> Co-op. Walk this way! And then, once they became established, the two of them, <laughs> Steve and Tyler and Forrest Finn would go on to start making six million bucks a year, guys. That's a lot of money back then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's $15 million today. Whoa. Now, we're going to fast forward to the mid-80s, where Forrest Finn becomes a bit of a who's who in the celebrity world. And he starts rubbing elbows with actors and celebrities and politicians, even fashion designers. And he really starts digging into that luxurious 1980s life. Lots of Imagine cocaine. the parties. Oh, yeah, man. Oh, baby. Lots and of booger sugar. Late in the 80s, more crack. That's true. That's true. Well, unfortunately, as everything starts to, you know, come out for Finn on the up and up, disaster strikes. No. In 1988, at what he thought was going to be the apex of his career and peak of his popularity, Finn received a diagnosis of having lymphomic cancer. Fuck cancer. Yeah, fuck cancer. And also, before <laughs> we go any farther, we need to drop a disclaimer, a uh, trigger warning. From this point on, there will be brief mentionings of suicide and self-inflicted wounds, uh, again, we just want to give you guys a heads up. Uh, it's part of the story. It is not graphic, but it is worth mentioning. 
1988, at what he thought would be the apex of his career and peak of his popularity, Finn received a diagnosis that he had lymphomic cancer. And this pushed him to a pretty dark place. Because Finn had done so much, sacrificed himself for his country and the betterment of his nation, and he'd made it out alive. He was one of the few to walk out of Vietnam pretty much whole, you know. I mean, a lot of people suffered a lot of tragedy coming out of Vietnam. But he came out and he bettered himself and he got a really great job and he's on the up and up. And now all of this luxury and all this hard work and treasure um, is going to be taken right out of his hands. He has no way to control it. It's just pulling the lifestyle right out of his hands. I mean... And he just he couldn't believe that something like cancer... Does have children... <laughs> like <laughs> very very true right. right right good looking out good looking out well the problem was he couldn't believe that something like cancer something he had no control over was about to take everything away from and him. for someone like him with all of his accomplishments he probably is a guy that likes to have control well i mean you survived a night in the jungle by yourself yeah you flew how many 328 combat missions yeah, yeah that sucks that's a lot of control that, you and know then something you have yeah there's nothing you can have control over that yeah that's that's fucking ugh, it's gotta be hard well one night during a get-together where famous fashion designer ralph lauren had come over the two of them start walking around and looking at the riches that finn had amassed in his treasures in his collection and Ralph Lauren makes a few comments about Finn's collection and how, you know, it's a real shame all this stuff, uh, you know, can't be taken with you, you know. You should probably consider sharing your collection with some other mutual friends, you know. Sell me a couple things, make a few deals here and there, you know, so on and so forth. Because, again, your days are numbered and you can't take this treasure with you. Well, that was said in bad taste. And of course, Finn gets pissed. He tells all his friends and Ralph Lauren to hike a trail, get out, and he starts to brood over all this you-can't-take-it-with-you bullshit, right? So this leads him to consider what life really meant to him and the legacy he would leave behind if he indeed lost the battle to cancer. And the doctor said it was a very, very aggressive form of cancer. So he gets this idea. Fuck you, Ralph Lauren. You know what? I can take it with me. Fucking pussy. Yeah. I'm going to do what I, I want. I do what I want. This is my hot body, Ralph. And you know what? I can take it with me. Because, see, unfortunately, Finn had recently also just lost his dad to a battle of pancreatic cancer. His dad himself was a man's man and very upset at his prognosis. And so his dad decides that after 15 months battling cancer, screw this. I'm not going to wither away and let this cancer take me. I decide my fate. I decide how I go out. And unfortunately, well, I don't know. I don't know how to view it. Not my place strong man. Yes. His dad took a bunch of sleeping pills, overdosed, and thus committed suicide. But Forrest looked up to his dad in really basically deciding once and for all on how he would go out of this world. So Forrest decides, screw it. I'm going to pick one of my most favorite locations I've been to in the U.S. I'm going to take a little treasure chest, and I'm going to fill it up with as much gold and jewels and treasure. I'm going to throw in a little note about who I am, why I did this, and my legacy. And I'm going to hike my happy ass up to this spot, take my life, and then one day, some lucky adventurer, even some dunce who just happens to be walking by, is going to stumble upon what happened to my corpse and see my cold, dead hands gripping a treasure. 
that will be sure to leave one badass legacy, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. So he picks out this ornate 12th to 13th century chest. It measures by, you know, about 10 inches by 10 inches by 5 inches. Now, the chest itself was supposed to be worth like twenty to $25,000 by itself because this thing was such an old-ass antique. 30000 As a 30000 Thank you. Thank you. So what if nobody like he takes finds his... his body and then that, that chest that's so antique already mm-hmm. just withers away <laughs> right, because very true. of weathering? It's like, like paper mache. Like maybe put like a weatherproof bag around it. I mean. <laughs> maybe wrap like... yourself in a tarp. <laughs> yeah, like. Um, Shove it up your ass. I don't know. (laughs) Who knows? I don't. (laughs) Just start swallowing all the gold coins you can. (laughs) Well, he fills up this chest with his booty, and he begins to put into motion his plan. He gets it all figured out. The day, the time, the location, how he's going to go up there. Because this thing is supposed to weigh over 20 pounds, full Mm -hmm. of all the treasure. He's got everything laid out. He's going to initiate the plan. And then all of a sudden, Steve, poof. In 1993, Forrest finds out that somehow, against all odds, miraculously, he beats the cancer. Wait, what? Skirt? Skeet skirt! (laughs) And he's been given a brand new lease on life. That fancy lifestyle that meant so much to him, his dear beloved family, all the treasures he's worked so hard for. That's right back in his lap. Boom. Here you go, pal. Somebody made a He's mistake like, and you, you weren't Lauren. supposed to go What's yet. Up? Yeah. <laughs> I'm starting up Tommy Hilfiger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that. No fear. Now, this. Right. No. <laughs> <laughs> that Walmart brain, motherfucker. <laughs> oh, shit. That's awesome. Uh, and he would go on to start Levi Strauss. Um, but you see. With all this good news, also came a little bit of bad news or, or odd news. <laughs> Fucking Jinko. <laughs> he made giant jeans to shove a bunch of treasure inside of. Yeah. I mean, dude, I had a pair of, I don't know what they were, Jinkos. I could put a whole math book in my back pocket. <laughs> awesome. Well, with all this came a little bit of bizarre news, too, and a strange way of looking at your luck. See, Finn had just worked his ass off with one of the most coolest and integral legacy treasure hunts of modern day that kind of bummed him out. Mm-hmm. On one hand, it's like, like, yeah, I'm still alive, man. Like, I got my family, I got my health. You know, everything's coming out thin. But at the same time, he's like... <laughs> right. <laughs> but then on the other hand, he's like, God, that would have been awesome, wouldn't it? Man, what a legacy. So it's not to be misunderstood that this experience fighting cancer, you know, remained heavy on his mind because it did. I mean, that scars a person. And he didn't take his health for granted, but he was already in the process of selling his art gallery at the time, and he was looking for his next adventure. So Forrest decides he's going to share his passions for adventuring and seeking new experiences with the world. And he's going to try to share with the world the thrills he felt as a collector and as an adventurer as an adventurer, and he's going to go out and finish his plan, all except for, you know, the taking his own life part. And he's going to kick off a grand treasure hunt for the entire world to take part in, to get people up off their asses and out into nature to experience adventure. So I I thought it was uh, funny because in like an interview and then ask him like why he was doing it, he was just like, I'm sickened by America. He's like, everywhere I look, there's just a bunch of fat asses, like glued to their chairs. Everybody's forgot about nature. 
And he's like, nature's just such an awesome thing. He's like, this will motivate them to get off their fucking ass and go do something. And I was just like, Holy wow, shit, dude. man. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, he already had the perfect spot picked out, and his treasure chest is pretty much packed and sitting there. He wrote the whole freaking, you know, legacy of his life into book form. So he thought, you know what? I'm going to freaking publish this manuscript that I wrote about myself, this memoir, and I'm going to title my book, The Thrill of the Chase, in which he would go on to urge people across the world to search for his treasure. And did he... Thus so kicking off... Did he... What? Did he talk about, in that book, did he talk about his cancer diagnosis thing and then all that um, I have not read it. To lead up because, to that? Like to let everybody I mean, know why he did this? Yes. I would imagine, I don't know. Right? Okay. I think so. He talks about, I mean, the book is full of, we'll talk about that here in a second. The book is full of basically like, it's a memoir. It's full of stories of his childhood, his adulthood, yeah. you know, okay. Vietnam, so it, everything that inspired him to do everything he's done so his he whole life. So he definitely probably thought about, he probably wrote about the suicide yeah. plot and all that stuff. Okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because okay. everybody found out about that. Yeah, okay, for sure. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. So he basically goes on to urge the world to take part in one of the greatest modern day treasure hunts of all time. And at this point, you're probably wondering, screaming at the top of your lungs at your cell phone, what's in the box? What's in the box? Forrest Fenn's treasure is a collection of items, and that collection of items is stored in a 13th century Romanesque bronze chest. The collection contains Forrest Fenn's 20,000 word autobiography, which is named what? The Thrill of the Chase. A small mm -hmm. silver bracelet set with 22 turquoise disc beads, 265 gold chain, gold chains, <laughs> gold <laughs> coins. Got them, there's a two chains. It's 200, two chains. 256, 265 chains. Uh, <laughs> uh, gold nugs or nuggets. Sorry. I don't know how many gold nuggets. We don't know. He's uh, got that cool diesel nug. Yeah. He's got that nug, that nug dipped in that gold. <laughs> Um, let's see, he's got some gemstones up in there, carved jade, Chinese faces, pre-Columbian cast gold animal figures, a 17th century gold emerald ring, a lady's gold dragon coat bracelet, inset with 254 rubies, six emeralds, two Cylon sapphires, like from Battlestar Galactica. Dope. Damn. Uh, and numerous small diamonds. This guy's probably a Cylon himself. A Colombian <laughs> Turiana and Sinew Indian Tiara and Sinew Indian necklace and other items. The bronze chest weighs about twenty-two pounds, and the total gold weight is two hundred forty-two point four troy ounces. That's a Yeesh. lot. That's a lot of stuff and a lot of money. That's a lot of nuts and gold and gold dust. He also had gold dust in there, not just nuggets, not just coins. That motherfucker threw in some gold dust just to Wait, sprinkle like in on he, top of it. He put the wrestler in the box? <laughs> gold dust! <laughs> and one autographed gold, gold dust action gold figure. Gold dust action figure. Could you imagine? Oh my god. He takes the action fantastic. figure and puts the gold dust on it. <laughs> he's so rich, like, who gives a shit? Like, he's just like, I, I have, like, first off, he has gold dust. That's Who true. the fuck has gold dust? Why would you ever need gold dust? Forest Finn, dude. Forest Finn. Yeah, dude. <laughs> like, why would Forrest anybody Finn, need that? 
It makes no sense. What are you gonna do? What would you ever need oh it for? What would you God, do with it? It's too good. Like what it's are you? Too good. Dust things in gold, bro. Yeah. Come on. They put some water on that shit and make a gold rock. I don't fucking know. But what what do you need dust for? That makes no sense. <laughs> it sounds to me like he may have inspired the greatest Macklemore Ryan Lewis song of all time, Gold, featuring <laughs> 84 Fly. <laughs> <laughs> no shit. Two gold cups. Um, so before the treasure hunt could start, gold Finn days. came into a little conflict with authorities over federal anti- antiquities laws during Operation Severus action. The FBI agents would go on to raid his home in 2009 as part of an investigation into artifact looting in the Four Corners area. Whoa. Now, Severus action involved the search for over 250 Native American artifacts, including woven baskets, pots, sandals, and axe, which the FBI values at over $335,000. Defendants were charged with violations of Archaeological Resource Protection Act, which prohibits the excavation and sale of artifacts from public land or Indian land, and the Native American Graves Protection and Reparation Act, which required some items retrieved from burial sites and other sacred objects to be returned to Indian tribes. So did he buy these from... Did he buy these from, like, like, did he go to, like, native land and buy this from somebody in native land? Or did he buy this through the, um, through the markets? It, uh, uh, I'll, I'll tell Sean gets done with this part because I'll, I'll tell you how his lawyers got him, got him, okay. there you got go. him off. Cool. So, so um, uh, I'd hope it doesn't contradict what, uh, Preston's going to say or take the words from his mouth. Basically, first, <clears throat> man, my voice cracked, puberty. Forrest Finn basically is like rumored to not just trade art and artifacts, but sometimes just to bring in a big old search crew because he had that munty, and they would just start digging. There'd be like an archaeological archaeological dig site, and they just show up and start digging like right next to it. They didn't give a fuck about private land. They didn't give a fuck about oh, sacred dirty. land. They're just like, mm, we heard there's woven pots in here, <laughs> woven <laughs> woven baskets and pots in here. So it's argued that some of the things he came across did not come by him honorably. I believe the uh, the Operation Severus action involved like the search for 65 different people involved in supposedly looting these Native American sites. The sting included, unfortunately, the self-inflicted deaths of two men, one of which was James Red, a 60-year-old physician who had previously been caught trespassing on Native American burial sites who committed suicide once he found out the FBI was looking for him. Items in Finn's possession himself had reportedly been pieces of chain mail from Pecos National Historical Park, human hair, a feathered talisman, and a bison skull, some of which were confiscated by police and federal authorities, yet no charges were filed against Finn. Unfortunately, the two people uh, two people did die in result of Operation Severus action, and Finn blames the FBI for the two men's deaths. Now, it is also rumored, too, that during certain parties and gatherings, you'd go look through his treasures, and maybe after a glass or two of wine, he'd take you down to, like, the real secret shit, and just be like, check it out, I got this bison skull, I got a handful of eagle feathers. Like, all sorts of stuff that he knew good and well he was not supposed to have, but yeah. somehow came by. Well, see, that's that's the thing, uh, Sean. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Uh, Finn, 
um, acquired uh, said objects like a Native American headdress uh, from a uh, you know time time honored mm-hmm. chief uh, prior uh, to. Uh, 1951 when uh, after 1951 it was uh, illegal to have said objects so by acquiring it uh, prior to that in 1949 1950 see mr finn uh, did uh, not do anything illegal therefore uh, your case uh, holds no water and you need to get the fuck out <laughs> court is adjourned <laughs> Oh, that uh, those twenty five other objects you're questioning mm-hmm. about. Uh, he also yeah, uh, purchased that, those thing, prior to uh, yeah, nineteen fifty one. So so messed up is that he would just mm-hmm. come over there and mooch off of the dig site. The dig site is yeah. probably approved by the native land, approved by all the channels you got to go through, and mm-hmm. he just shows up there and jacks all that shit. Now that has to be approved. I mean, I can't speak for the tribes and shit, but like I would imagine mm-hmm. that has to be approved by the tribe the leaders, the elders, all that stuff. And some of that stuff, they probably don't want to disturb because it's against, it's against what they believe. Mm-hmm. It's their life. Yeah, of course. Them. That's, you know I mean? like, that's a huge part of that. Yeah. And then, and I mean, not just Finn, but other people, they would just show up. Like, say, let's say we're digging a giant hole, excavating a site, like in the city block that we live in. You could be like, Oh shit, there's treasure in that area. Boom. You could set up a block away and just start digging. So gross. You didn't maybe get the uh, you know the the granted time and permission from the tribe or the government. You just set up shop, started digging. And what's even worse is you're going to get yeah. hillbillies that come in there and think I'm going to go dig, and then they end up like digging in the wrong way, and they end up destroying stuff. Or you just bury a bunch of pyrite everywhere and get those yuckers out of there. <laughs> yeah, there you go. We're rich. We got thirteen tons, thirteen hundred tons. On our third expedition, we're failing. We're exploring. <laughs> oh god no shit and so at the age of 79 or 80 Forrest Finn hid his treasure chest somewhere in the mountains north of Santa Fe the mountains refer to the Rocky Mountains Santa Fe refers to the Santa Fe uh, near obviously New Mexico Forrest Finn said the treasure is at least 8.243 miles north of Santa Fe and the treasure chest is located in one of the following states New Mexico, Colorado, Wyoming, or Montana. So he basically just says exactly that. Well, the treasure chest is at least eight miles north of Santa Fe. Could be farther, but it's at least eight miles away. So on January 1st, 2010, at the age of 80 years old, Finn publishes a book called The Thrill of the Chase, which collected various stories about his life, his love, learning, motivations, and relationships, and any other experience that shaped his life, his career, and his business, and other important moments that had impacts on him. He published just... What's that? If this guy's already a moral piece of shit for stealing native (laughs) artifacts, and I mean, literal human hair, (laughs) I mean... uh, is, and then he gets off in court, okay, he's not guilty by law stands, I guess, court stands, but he's obviously morally, morally fucking bankrupt. Um, <laughs> what if this is all bullshit? It's just his way of getting back at people, like, oh, you thought you could fuck me over, well, I'm gonna fuck you over, make you think about this forever. Ah. And the plot thickens! Yeah. Okay, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'm just like... You're okay, this you're guy's, okay. This That's guy's right. like... This guy, that shit you're pisses okay. me off about people stealing artifacts or dinosaur bones or 
anything like that, man. That stuff needs to be preserved. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, what if the story ends by a guy finding the chest? He opens it up, and there's just a one piece of paper that says, "Our children are the real treasure." Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh man. So initially, Finn publishes 1,000 copies of his book. But the thrill of the chase also had a secondary, more secret purpose within it. Finn, see, had hidden the clues that would lead any lucky treasure seeker to the location of the treasure. So not only was this a collection of memoirs, but also within it hid the secrets to finding the Finn treasure. Starring Nicolas Cage. Now, you could be, you, you could say that, uh, or some people said, listen, this motherfucker basically made up the story about the treasure to sell copies of his book about his his life right but here's the thing he donated the proceeds back to the bookstore or to charity so he made zero money off of this book he would basically be like okay you sold 20 copies here's your you know here's your cut and also i made this much money off of it boom write him a check but money's not an object to this guy money means nothing to him so if he wanted to be a troll and just be morally fucked and lead everybody on his goose chase. He could do that. Mm-hmm. Easily. You know he easily like, could have. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, for sure. Well, here's an excerpt from the dust jacket of the thrill of the chase. This memoir includes a true story about a secret treasure and an outrageous dare. Unlock the clues that are scattered among these pages, and you can go home with a bronze chest that is so full of gold and precious jewelry, it's almost too heavy for just one person to carry. Who can't carry 20 pounds? (laughs) I was like, what is this? I guess an 80-year-old (laughs) fuck. Forrest said that if he were younger, he'd go back and get it himself. Forrest Finn, the author, has spent most of his 80 years in similar pursuits of passion and now wants others to share in the thrill of the chase. That's why he's concealed in the cachet. That's why he's concealed the cachet. He's concealed in the cachet. He's in Toronto. <laughs> That's why he himself <laughs> did lock himself in the treasure chest. <laughs> <laughs> he's a real David His Blaine. His soul will be attached to the Dippic Fox. <laughs> <laughs> the chest is also a horcrux. And all of the natives that he disturbed, and they're all mad trying to kill you because you <laughs> fucked with him. <laughs> uh, Finn refers to call himself now he who must not be named. Okay. All horcrux. that will be needed are the clues in the book, some resolve, a little imagination, and maybe a six-pack to help you celebrate the thrill of breathtaking discovery. Anyone can get lucky, but it takes metal enough to strike the trail and enough confidence in a maverick to know the treasure is really there for the taking. And so you read the book and you think, well, where the hell are the clues in here? Is it about, you know, you're meeting your wife or, you know, cowboys and Indians or what? Well, he made it very clear where the clues would be. He writes a poem in the book, plainly stating the poem itself contains nine clues. He said the clues will lead the person who can unravel them directly to the treasure chest. Preston, if you would, sir. As I have gone alone in there and with my treasures bold, I can keep my secret where a hint of riches new and old. Begin it where warm waters halt and take it in the canyon down. Not too far, but too far to walk. Put it below 
the home of Brown. From there, it's no place for the meek. The end is drawing ever nigh. There'll be no paddle up your creek, just heavy loads and water high. If you've been wise and found the blaze, look quickly down your quest to cease. But tarry scant with marvel gaze, just take the chest and go in peace. So why is it that I must go and leave my trove for all to seek? The answer, I already know. I've done it tired and now I'm weak. So hear me all and listen good. Your effort will be worth the cold. If you are brave in the wood, give it you title to the gold. So in that poem is said to be not I wish you would have read it like Warwick Davis and Leprechaun. <laughs> So hear me all and listen good. Your effort will be worth the cold. Oh. If you're a brave in the wood, I'll give you the title to the gold. <laughs> oh, me hide lucky hide charms. So in that poem are said to be nine specific clues as to where to find the treasure. However, Finn wanted treasure seekers to work for the booty, so he didn't say which parts of the poem contain each of the nine clues. That is open to the reader's interpretation. All he said was the first clue starts at begin it where warm waters halt. He also didn't say how exactly treasure hunters are supposed to use or arrange the clues in order to find the chest. So it may not be one through nine. Those clues may not be in direct order. And so after the book came out and word had spread, there were initially 200 people who began starting looking for Finn's treasure. And they formed chat rooms to help each other kind of solve you know, the, the puzzles. Various clubs began to form and people began to work together, sharing their clues and their leads. And Finn got in on the action too, because he was excited. Yes, it's working. People are getting off of their asses. They're turning off their Nintendo DSs and their Game Gears. And they're getting out and they're looking for treasure. Because he was still alive too. Don't forget that. Mm -hmm. It ignited his love for adventure as well. So people could send him emails or, you know, jump in a chat thread. Once in a while, he'd jump in live chats and just talk to people. The only rule was... No matter what you ask him, he would not share any more clues than what's included in the book. And people tried all the time, bribes, threats, everything else, just to figure out one more clue, just to figure out, you know, to get a leg up on everybody else. If I send you a picture of my titties, will you give me a clue, <laughs> Mr. Finn? Eventually, the story about Finn's treasure is published in in-flight magazine for the United Airlines. Wait. And after... Wait. <laughs> That's the publication that picked up on the story? Right, yeah. That's hilarious because Lil Dicky, like, swears by the magazines that are in flights. Uh-huh. He, like, buys a subscription <laughs> to them mm -hmm. because he mm -hmm. loves the stories. They get those exclusives. That's hilarious. Oh, dude, yeah. That's hilarious. I used to, yeah, I used to sub to uh, GQ for the longest time, not because I'm such a stylish gentleman, but because the stories, man. That's Finn Treasure's story is literally something that would have been published in GQ. Uh, there's another story kind of similar to this as far as action and adventure goes that I will share sometime that I have a very specific issue of GQ set aside that I've been sitting on for like 10 years. It's actually really genius because 
When you're on a flight, you literally have nothing else to do. Uh-huh. You're you always for- forget your book or your headphones You're or forced to take what's around you. And it's either mm-hmm. what's on the headrest if you have a flight movie or screen or yeah. the, the paper publication around you or your own devices. That's crazy. Damn. Oh, yeah, dude. For sure. We need to get an ad on some motherfucking in-flight magazine. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Let's get this That's podcast shit, right? lifted. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Yeah. Well, in addition to getting his story lifted into the in-flight magazine for United Airlines, USA Today, I'm sorry, The Today Show also published an episode on February 27th, 2013, and did a spot about Finn's treasure. The story blew up, and that day, thousands of copies of that book were then ordered, pre-ordered online, and this officially became a huge deal. Was he dead by this time, or not? Wait. <laughs> What's that? Was he is he already dead when this blows? No, no, no. Finn's okay. still alive. Okay. Finn achieved Wonka-like status among the self-described searchers. The online community that cropped up around this legendary uh, treasure seeker, lovers of riddles and outdoor exploration, converged to form dedicated networks of blogs, message boards, websites, Facebook pages, all devoted to the hunt. Toby Eunice, a retired digital media executive who co-hosts a Finn fanatic YouTube show, uh, A Gypsy's Kiss, says the internet helps them crowd-solve the puzzle. Searchers expose theories in Finn's forums and detail their quests on YouTube testimonials. Dozens of searchers met in Santa Fe. I'm sorry, dozens of searchers meet yearly in Santa Fe each June for the Finn Bree an annual Finn Fest dedicated mm. to the name, life, and love of treasure-seeking of Finn Forrest. I'm sorry, Forrest Finn. So they, <laughs> so they, uh, they have a giant uh, Captain America statue that they spray-painted like gold and put like an F on the chest for, you know, <laughs> Forrest Finn. And like people will, you know, put like offerings and, you know, maybe the gods will shine upon them and they'll get lucky. And then during the, the Finbury, they can actually talk about pulling apart the clues mm-hmm. of the poem. And there's this homeless guy who he like his big thing is, OK, you know, I, I, I don't have a home. I don't have a job. So I'm going to I'm going to find this treasure and uh, I'm going to become rich. And he pulled apart the poem and. He met with Forrest several times, and he said that the the line of the poem where it says like you know something about the the, the house of brown, brown the house of brown. Everybody thought that that had something to do with a like an outhouse <laughs> or something to do with with sh- yeah porta potty like shit yeah. right. And so this this cr- this crazy guy who. He looks disheveled. He looks like he's, Steve you know, a part of like, you know, like, yeah, like, a, you know, z- z- with crazy eyes, right? So he he's met with Finn. He's talked with him. And he's like, this guy is a shit talker. And he's like, you know, that got me thinking. That got me thinking. You know, he talks about the home of Brown. You know, he's a he's a shit talker. He's a pee talker. Pataka. And he's like, that's where the treasure's hidden in this city outside of New Mexico called Pataka. And everybody's like, dude, you're fucking, you're fucking crazy. Yeah. Like, how the fuck did you come up with that? Well, I mean, again, 
that clue of saying, you know, a creek without a paddle, that's always in reference to Shit's Creek. You're up Shit's Creek without a paddle. House of Brown. Yeah, you're up Shit's Creek with the turd yeah. for a paddle. So there were actually <laughs> issues in um, state parks of people going and turning over public restrooms, digging and shit, looking for the treasure. Like they actually oh had to put signs God. up in a lot of state parks <laughs> saying, do not dig <laughs> under outhouses. Nice. Uh, and like you said, Preston, uh, for what's worth noting here, that since Finn was already incredibly rich, he would take the profits of the book sales and donate them, oftentimes donating the profits to independent bookstores that sold copies of the book. But unfortunately, like you asked earlier, Steve, doubt also began to set in just as much as the treasure rush. Indeed, it did. Searchers and other grapple with doubts about the truth of Finn's tale. Like myself, they imagine an <laughs> 80-year-old man or even a young, healthy person carrying a bronze chest across his back. What kind of train, steep, wooded, rocky could be traversed without tripping over tree roots and stones? Though a handful of Finn's family friends claim they saw him filling the chest, there's no way to prove what was inside, let alone what it could be worth. And bearing its discovery, there's no way to prove he actually hid it, given the more than... 100,000 square miles of mountains where the box could be located, it still seems unlikely that even the most intrepid searchers will find it anytime soon, if ever. Still, over the past eight years, the possibility that the bounty does exist and has been enough to spur treasure hunters far and wide into the red canyons of the high desert and the wild, cold rivers of the Rockies. <laughs> Finn claimed he received more than 100 treasure emails from eager seekers every day. He also said that 350,000 people have looked for the treasure, an estimate he bases on his always full inbox. For devout Finn heads, the appeal isn't just about the money. It's about matching wits with Forrest himself. Cynthia Meacham is a person who lives in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Since she retired from her job as a semiconductor engineer in 2015, she devoted her entire life then on to look for Finn's treasure. First, she looked in a remote valley near Taos, New Mexico. Now, she looks near Yellowstone National Park. The hunt tends to attract people with technical backgrounds. Meacham says, we're probably the most eager statistical group of treasure hunters because we think I use logic every day in my job. I use flow charts. I use schematics. How hard could this be? Well, none of them found it. Now, national parks also had to put up warnings to stop destroying landmarks, stop digging up, you know, these protected areas, quit digging holes in our parks, quit looking in our outhouses, and quit destroying walkways and hiking paths. But also, it spurred up another problem. Grave diggers. Lots wow. of people would go throughout graveyards on this path and start digging up graves, which created a whole new problem of not just, you know, disturbing graves and exhuming bodies, but grave robbers. I'm surprised you know, while you're out there, park or something didn't sue him. Well, that does come up. Unfortunately, you know, some of these state parks did come forward and say, you got to fucking say something. You got to tell people where it's not at. You got to tell people where to stop looking. And I think he did eventually come forward and have to say publicly, guys, 
the treasure is not inside of any graveyard. Stop digging up yeah. dead bodies. That's good. That's so messed up. And he 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 finally came forward and said, "Listen, if uh, it's above five thousand feet, it's below, um, you know, ten thousand yeah, something feet. like that. Yeah, it's not in New. It's you know, it's not in New Mexico because he actually he he loved the you know people coming to his house and like talking to him so mm-hmm. they could hear his story. And I can't I can't remember the guy's name, but he was a Hispanic fella." And he he just kept getting like giving force like cookies and brownies and like you know force to kind of you know joke with him be jovial and then eventually it came in to uh, the treasure's your granddaughter and uh, if you don't tell me where the real treasure is I'm gonna kill her and so the the arrest of the guy he spent like eight months in jail um, they put a and he was crazy and they put a uh, you know like Ankle a, bracelet. the ankle bracelet on him he like rips it off they find him outside of new mexico and forces house again with a fucking knife in his car and um so the guy just kept going back to jail kept going back to jail and it was just so convinced that um that you know the granddaughter had Mm -hmm. something to do with it and he was just going to start killing people that he said, okay, listen, the fucking treasure is not in New Mexico. Like, you guys got to get mm-hmm. further out. Like, this is getting too close to home. That's amazing. No, I'll continue. Well, that brings us to our next little part of the story. Now, luckily, even though Finn knew that it was putting a lot of pressure on the family and his family's lives were not safe, none of his family ever suffered any kind of loss, any kind of injury, no deaths. But that's not to say people didn't die looking for Finn's treasure. Now, Finn knew that with such a challenge would come droves of people. And by nature, people are kind of foolish and kind of stupid and kind of careless. And thus, he did warn everybody, be safe, be responsible, be smart. And I please urge you, travel in at least pairs of two, if not more. Because that kind of adventure, you know, it can be very dangerous, especially if you think it's up the side of a mountain or, you know, underneath the water or something like that. So, all in all, five people that have been documented so far died while searching for Finn's treasure. This led the chief of the New Mexico State Police, Pete Cassettis, to publicly implore Finn to please end the treasure hunt. You're putting lives at risk by not telling people where it's at. And he thought Finn kind of got off on it a little bit. Well, Finn then turned around and replied publicly, If you sold swimming pools and people began to drown in your pools, you wouldn't stop selling swimming pools. You would instead urge people to learn how to swim and learn how to be safer in the pool. So that was basically his advice. Stop being idiots. Stop being, you know, full-headed. And take a little warning. Heed my advice and be a little smarter. That didn't work. Randy Bill, you went missing on January 2016 and was found dead later in July. His body was discovered by workers along the Rio Grande and an autopsy could not determine his cause of death. Bill Yu's ex-wife publicly stated... Her belief is that Finn Treasure was actually a hoax, and her husband died in vain. Poor lady. Jeff Murphy, a 53-year-old of Batavia, Illinois, 
was found dead in Yellowstone National Park on June 9, 2017, after falling nearly 500 feet down a steep slope. Yellowstone officials didn't provide details to the public concerning the investigation, but a local TV station filed a Freedom of Information Act request. The television station reports that Murphy's wife told park authorities that he was looking for the treasure when she first reported him missing. That's so sad. Yeah. A pastor, Paris Wallace of Grand Junction, Colorado, told his family members that he was searching for a buried treasure and he failed to show back up for his planned family meeting on June 14, 2017. His car would later be found parked near Taos Junction Bridge. His body was found five to seven miles downstream along the Rio Grande. Now, Eric Ashby, a 31-year-old college student, was found deceased in Colorado's Arkansas River on July 28, 2017. His friends and family stated that he moved to Colorado in 2016 to look for the famous Finn treasure and was last seen June 28th while rafting on the river, 10 to 15 miles upstream from where his body would later be discovered. The raft had overturned, and Ashby had been missing since the time that he was seen in the river. While his three friends were able to make it out of the water safely, they told authorities they saw Ashby being swept under the currents, but they didn't initially report him because they believed that's just the way he'd want to go looking for the treasure, and they didn't see the need to contact authorities what because his hell? body would later be found. Uh-huh. Some dateline shit. His body washed up a month after he disappeared. They killed that boy. So, <laughs> no, th- no, they 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 didn't. But um, they kind of got caught up with the. Uh, I, I guess you could say like almost like the curse of treasure hunting, because Eric was pretty much convinced he had found like guys. This is where the fucking treasure is. Let's go. You know, I've I I I got all the clues solved. I got it figured out. So they had a contract, kind of like in The Hobbit, where like you know Steve is gonna get ten uh, percent of the treasure. Um, Sean's gonna do a lot of lifting, so I'm gonna give him thirty percent of the treasure because I'm the fucking genius that I am, and I solved it. Um, the rest of that treasure <laughs> goes to me. And when his, when you know when the raft overturned. And they saw him drowning and his body got swept away. They're like, well, damn, Um, you know, it sucks that our friend died, but he was so convinced that it's here that we're convinced that it's here. If we go ahead and call the police, then everybody's going to come looking around and they're (laughs) going to find the treasure. And then what are we going to get? We're not going to get anything. And we really want that fucking money. So let's just wait a minute. And then like a month later, they're like, "Uh, oh, hey, Mr. Ashby, uh, yeah, hey, this is a uh, Terry. Uh, so uh, Eric, uh, yeah, he drowned. Bye. <laughs> and then that—that's how the that's dad crazy. found out. So yeah, it's just that they got so caught up in the greed that they're just like, well, fuck, we just we can't talk about the mm-hmm. death because then everybody's gonna know about the treasure. They're they're gonna get the treasure before us, and so they just kind of let their friend drown. And yeah. Told somebody a and month what's later. crazy too is like police kind of had a rough idea something had happened out there because a random passerby or who was on the river bank 
actually witnessed him flip over, went to look for him and couldn't find him. So police did know somebody out there on the river that day did have an accident. God. And then the last story we're going to talk about of people losing their life looking for Finn Treasure will be the story of Michael Wayne Sexton, who was 53 years old, of Deer Trail, Colorado, who was found dead by rescuers on March 21st, 2020, uh, who was found alongside his unnamed 65-year-old male companion, later to be identified in the hospital as Stephen Enlow. Authorities were notified by a person who rented a pair of snowmobiles to the men. The pair were discovered within five miles of the site they had been rescued from a month earlier. Huh. That's right, folks. Near the Dinosaur National Monument in the Utah-Colorado border, the two had gotten lost previously looking for the treasure and had to be rescued by authorities. And they did it again they and went, got lost again. Wow. They went back out, and unfortunately, one of them lost their lives Fucking five lost. miles away from they had been rescued before. It's sad. And Finn continued to say, you have to follow the rules to stay safe. But unfortunately, you know, people did lose their life. Now, let's wrap things up, folks. Lost and then found. On June 6, 2020, Finn posted on the searcher blog, Thrill of the Chase, that the treasure had been found. Under a canopy of stars in the lush forested vegetation of the Rocky Mountains and had not moved from the spot from where I hid it more than ten years ago. I did not know the person who found it, but the poem of my book led him to the precise spot. I congratulate the thousands of people who failed like that Canadian guy in the fool's gold and uh, hope they will continue to be drawn by the promise of other discoveries. So the search is over, losers. <laughs> Look for more information and photos in the coming days. Oh, uh, so the search is over. Now, initially, the guy who found the treasure wanted to remain anonymous. But in December of 2020, a medical student from Michigan named Jack Stoof revealed that he had found Finn's treasure chest, decided to disclose his identity by going public in an interview with Outside. Due to safety reasons, he preferred to stay anonymous for as long as he could. Unfortunately, a lawsuit that was expected to come out would reveal his identity, so he went forward and revealed he had found the treasure. Stouff revealed that two small items indicated in the pre-find publicity were not present in the chest. A small gold frog on a necklace and a Spanish emerald ring found at San Lazaro. When Stoof notified Forrest about the missing items, Forrest located the frog within his own collection and then presented it to Stoof himself. However, Forrest was not able to locate the missing emerald ring. So what was cool is Stoof was able to, uh, you know, forge a friendship and get a little closer to Forrest Finn before he ultimately had passed away. That's cool. Um, so that was really neat. You know, he got to meet the guy who found his treasure and vice versa. Now, unfortunately, Stoof was not able to stay hidden very long because there was a lawsuit going on at the time when he became, you know, when he came forward because another internet sleuth was claiming that Stoof stole her clues and actually stole the location of the treasure from her. 
because you could go online and you know swap stories and swap clues and Stoof was supposedly a guy who kind of just hung out in the back corner and just kind of observed everybody else he okay. never really gave too many of his own clues so that you know she claims he stole the secret clues and her um ultimate solve of where it was located and went and found it before she could get there Unfortunately, I think, I mean, if you were going to be as bold as to share your clues and your discoveries online publicly, yeah. I, I don't know what to say. Yeah, that's just that is. It's public knowledge, yeah. man. Yeah. Ugh. Now, in an epilogue, Forrest Finn was pronounced deceased at his home in Santa Fe, New Mexico on Monday, September 7th, 2020, around 5.04 p.m. Mountain Time. He lived in his house with his wife, Peggy, his grandson, Shiloh, and his dog, Willie, in Santa Fe, New Mexico. That's awesome. Now, I'd like to say that's where the story ends, but guys, it is not. Because our second news story for the episode comes here. In July 2021, a French treasure hunter by the name of Bruno Ralphos filed a $10 million lawsuit against Finn's estate in the United States District Court, for the District of New Mexico. According to the complaint, complainant, Ralpho says he determined the location of the treasure was hidden in southwestern Colorado. He informed Finn of his solution with his plan to go find the treasure and begun making preparations to retrieve it. However, his plans were delayed by COVID-19 pandemic travel restrictions, and Finn announced soon after the treasure had been found actually in Wyoming. Ralphos contended that Finn took advantage of the delay to move the chest from Colorado to Wyoming, noting that the exact final location has not been specified by Stoof or any of Finn's relatives. So that lawsuit is currently going on. That news story I just found that in was from two days ago. So who knows That's what's going to happen? But uh, I don't know. What can a lot you do? of stuff is fine. A lot of people are jealous. And so that is the story of the Finn treasure. And now you guys might be a little bummed out. The treasure is over. It's been found. And the hunt has ended. But that's okay. Our third news story. I'm getting this from the IdahoStatesman.com, where two men have recently buried $10,000 in treasure in the Utah wilderness. Now, hundreds are on the hunt. Now, this story comes from a week ago on June 28th. With most Americans staying home during the coronavirus pandemic, David Klein dreamed up a treasure hunt. He wants to bury $5,000 somewhere in the Utah wilderness, but his wife told him, you better think again, pal. I was thinking to myself, what would be a safe way for people to go outside and enjoy some vitamin D? So I came up with the idea of a treasure hunt. But my wife wouldn't let me bury the whole amount I wanted to. So he turned to his friend John Maxim, who decided to join him on the venture. Last summer, the duo who both worked in real estate buried thousands of dollars in the Utah mountains and posted a clue, very similar to the Finn treasure, in that it's written as a poem on their website, utahtreasurehunts.com, and also their social media. They were surprised with a huge turnout of amateur treasure hunters packed 
in the parking lots, flooded the hills, and even flew drones across the area to search for the prize. After four days, the treasure had been found. It was so popular, the duo decided to try it again. This time, Klein and Maxim have buried $10,000 in the Utah wilderness near Salt Lake City, somewhere near Ogden or Provo. They released a new poem on June 19th to help steer people in the right direction. Begin your search where hikers rest. Majestic slopes are facing west. Through the tunnel of emerald green, follow the river, creek, or spring. The response this year has been even bigger. He estimates that hundreds of people have started searching for the treasure over the past week alone. People from all over the country have traveled to Utah to look for the bounty, including folks as far away as Hawaii, Las Vegas, Colorado, and Atlanta. Seems that everybody thinks they're a uh, modern-day Indiana Jones. Yeah. Now, rescue officials are urging people, again, who go treasure hunting to be safe because at least one hiker has already been injured looking for the new treasure, according to Salt Lake County Sheriff's search and rescue team. Officials were called to the Ferguson Canyon Overlook Saturday, where a family of four had been looking for the treasure when a large rock fell on a 49-year-old man's foot near the Overlook. He wasn't able to walk back down on his own, Nearly 25 search and rescue members had to help the man down the canyon. Our team ran into several other groups of hikers along the way looking for the same treasure. Most were unprepared to be in the backcountry and asked our team for water while they were on the trail. Please make sure you're going into the mountain prepared. Luckily, this record-setting heat wave that is scorching most of the west has not quite reached Salt Lake City in the Ogden-Provo area, Every Friday until the treasure is found, the organizers will release a new clue about the treasure. If treasure hunters tag them on social media, they could sign up to get the weekly clue one day earlier. So there you go, <laughs> folks. The heat is on and treasure is afoot. We forgot um, one really classic treasure hunt movie. Uh-oh, what's that? It came out. Uh, City Slickers 2, <laughs> The Hunt for Curly's Gold. Ah, you're right. <laughs> oh, how do we forget that one, man? That's classic. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there you go, folks. Now we have to urge you, we don't know a lick about treasure hunting, but we would like to say pixelated paranormal does not condone unsafe practices, whether you're hiking, rafting, boating, or looking for treasure. Be smart. Go prepared. Pack a lunch. Do a little Google search. Tell people where the hell you're going. And for God's sakes, charge your cell phones. Yeah. All right. I think that about does it. Steve, why don't you sign us out for the Instagram and the Facebook? Awesome. Thanks for listening, guys. Check us out on the Instagram and the Facebook. Like, share. Give us an honest review on iTunes or any other review site. Even a Google review if that's a thing. Who knows? Check it out. All right. Again, the Instagram is pxlparanormal. And while you're at it, guys, if you want to hear some other fun stuff we do, check out 13 Nightmares, the podcast where Stephen and I and our buddy Brady talk about horror movies. We'll have some new episodes of that dropping soon. Being our side project, uh, we're just trying to get our schedules aligned again to drop some more episodes. Presto, what do you got, buddy? And as always, if you need a beard, if you want a beard, if you want to grow the best damn beard, like 
you've been trying to put gold dust in this bad boy <laughs> and you're just not getting anywhere <laughs> just fuck the fuck the gold dust get out of here with the fucking gold dust and go over to bigdobsbeardbomb.com and use promo code PXLPARA for 20% off your order and pick yourself up some scents like Dundee Cedar, Bay Rum, Sweet Tobacco, Fresh, Citrus, Mint, and Classic. There you go. And I think, guys, when you go to the website, you pop in the promo code, you're going to find that Big Dobbs Beard Bomb is the real treasure. It is. And if you're looking to dig through some other treasures, please stop by, see our friend Leslie and the gang down at CD Trade Post here in Wichita at Pawnee and Seneca. I just picked up the vinyl soundtrack for the awesome 1980s creature feature, The Gate. I had no idea Leslie was bringing in horror vinyl, but she had it. I wanted it, and she saved me a few buckaroonies on shipping by picking it up locally. So hats off to you, Leslie. Love you. Can't wait to see you again. And uh, we've got some good shows planned in the near future with John and Leslie as well, so we can't wait to get those rolling. But uh, All right, otherwise, Presto, you got anything else? I ain't got nothing. Boom shakalaka. This was a big, bad, beefy boy. So we hope you enjoyed it, and we will catch you next time. And last parting thoughts. Again, please send your listener stories to us. Pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. You can message us. You can send us DMs. You can send us PMs. If you know us personally, why don't you just shoot one over to us so we can get it in the episode. We'd love to share your stories. And also, we have a Google phone. You can call us, leave us a voicemail, I think up to three minutes long, at 913-662-3144. All right, until next time, guys, cheers to the weird shit in the world and to those of us that love to talk about it. Stay spooky and stay on the paranormal highway. The cast that Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the paranormal highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange.